Thanks, Adrian. It's so good to be here this morning with you. Um, and as Adrian said, this is for us, this is not just church, this is family. Um, you're wondering why I'm standing just on one leg. Because I want to prove a point. Because it's, you can stand on one leg for a while. But after a while, it, it really becomes difficult to keep your balance. And God created us to be balanced creatures. That's why he gave you two legs, two arms, two eyes, two ears to hear in stereo, etc., etc. And quite often in the Bible, you will find that there are two parallel truths. And God wants us to make sure that we keep the balance between those two things. So this morning, I, I kind of feel that I want to, to make sure that we have the balance here. So I'm going to speak about a subject that I don't think we hear enough. Because usually we hear a lot of sermons about the pride problem. And I know pride is a big problem because pride was the prime sin. Satan wanted to exalt himself above God. And it's good to address the pride issue, but uh, if, if the devil cannot push you over the pride perimeter, he will often inhibit you through a sense of inferiority. So I want to speak about the drawback of self-doubt. Because so often we lack the confidence, and I think it's important for us to, and, and sometimes there might be arrogance, but if we can move from arrogance to confidence, that's the balance. So that's what I want to do this morning and, and share that with you from, from God's Word. So if you can open to the book of Romans and chapter 12, I'm going to spend a bit of time, just read a few verses here and there, um, but the title of what I want to share with you this morning is The Real You. Who are you? Who's the real you? And it is important, firstly, to not determine your self-worth on what others think about you. Because quite often people will have an opinion about you, but that's not the real you. Then secondly, I also want to say this. Just the way you see yourself can also be the wrong perception of yourself because some people overrate themselves, other people underestimate themselves. So how do I find out what my worth is and who I am? Uh, who determines the real me? Only the one who created me. Because he knows why he made me and if, if, if I, I, I'm thinking about this, if you want to know the real value of an artwork, ask the artist, because he knows how much work went into that. And it's the same thing uh, with us. If we want to know who we are, we need to go to our maker. We need to understand the mind of the maker, because that's where purpose is found. And if you, if you think about this, you know, say you, you came here from, from uh, somewhere where they had none of the modern uh, appliances, etc., etc., and you saw for the first time, you saw all these things in the kitchen, etc., etc., and you don't know what their purpose is. But you see different things. You see people walking around with things on their ear, talking, and 
and you, you find this thing there called a hot iron, and you think, okay, and an iron is supposed to get rid of creases, but those creases in your ear are there for a specific purpose. So the iron was made to get the creases out of your ear. We need to understand the mind of the maker. If you want to understand what a thing, uh, what the purpose of a thing is, ask the maker. So if you want to know what your purpose is on earth, ask the maker. Because he knows exactly why he placed you here on earth. Now, if you read in, in Romans 12, and I want to read just a, a, a small portion of verse 3 from the New Living Translation, and it says this, Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. So the first thing is, it's not wrong to evaluate yourself. But secondly, it's important to be honest. Uh, the translation actually uh, should read this way. Think of yourself soberly. And, and why does Paul say that? Because he knows there's a kind of intoxicating drug called pride. Pride really makes you hallucinate about yourself. Because it gives this false, puffed-up image of yourself. And that's why he says... Think of yourself soberly. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Because that's a false image. And that's what pride will do. It will, it will actually give you that, that false image. But we also need to understand this. If pride is thinking of yourself more highly than you ought, then humility is not thinking of yourself less or more lowly than you ought. Because that's inferiority. So up here you have false superiority, vanity. Down here you have a false humility, which is really inferiority. And here the balance is about reality. How does God see you? And that is so vital. We have to go to God's Word to understand uh, who we, we really are. And I've, I've often seen in, in church circles, religious people can sometimes have this made-up modesty. It's a false humility. It makes you act with, with timidity. And God doesn't want, God wants you to be confident. God wants you to be bold. Amen. And, 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 and sometimes I see people, you know, they walk around with, with clasped hands and with stooped shoulders and they speak with this whining voice and I'm, I'm, I'm just Brother Cockroach, <laughs> Sister Grasshopper. That's not what God made you. God made you special and you need to evaluate yourself in, in the proper way. Have you ever thought about this? Jesus said, Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Isn't that interesting? So before you can properly love your neighbor, you need to be able to love yourself. Nothing wrong with loving yourself because that means you'll look after yourself. I know the problem is some people overdo the self-love bit a bit. But you must have a healthy self-image. And your self-image should be based on your God image. Because you were created in His image, 
in His likeness. And God does not make junk. God made you special and unique. So, you know, don't develop that kind of, of, of false humility where I, I've seen religious people with that false humility and they actually become proud of it. God wants us to have a sober view of ourselves. And it's not an inferiority complex or self-doubt or putting yourself down the whole time. So I want to share just a few uh, truths with you that will help you to recognize the real you. And here's the first one. Realize that God placed an order for you before birth. Now I'm speaking in human terms here. But I just want you to, to kind of see this picture that God wanted you here on earth because he had a plan and a purpose for you. Listen what Romans 12 says, verse 1. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So there's something in you that God found acceptable. <laughs> and it's important for us to discover that. Why did God place me here on earth? I, I have news for you. Your birth on earth did not surprise God. When you arrived here, God didn't say, oops, how did he or she get here? And, and, and let me be very clear about this. It doesn't matter how you got here. Even if you were an unwanted child, God wanted you here. That's the wonderful thing. And God can, can, can turn whatever the devil has meant for evil, God can turn that around for good. But you are not a mistake. God knew about you before the world was made. You're not a factory fault. You're not here just because your mother forgot to take the pill. You are here by God's design, and you are not a, a part of a bulk order. And, and again, I'm speaking to you in terms here. God placed an, uh, uh, an itemized, specified order for a person named you long before you were born. And he planned everything about you. I love it when I read in, in Acts 17 where Paul spoke to the Athenians, and he said this to them. He said, listen. God planned everything. He planned for you to be in Athens. He says, before the foundation of the world, he, he actually, it says, and I, I, I love the scripture, it says that from one human being, he created all races of people. And he said he fixed beforehand the exact times and the limits of the places where they would live. So let me say this, God designed everything about you, your gender, your race, your nationality, your skin color, your place that you would actually uh, uh, live. So, so I want to say this, don't let anyone ever use any of these things to make you feel inferior. Because you are designed uniquely and specially by God. And I remember uh, uh, reading these words of, of Eleanor Roosevelt, who was the first lady of the USA some years ago, and she said this, that no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Don't give anyone permission to ever do that. 
Don't allow the limited, distorted, or prejudiced perceptions of others to ever define you. God defines you. And He wants you here. So I want to put it this way. You are custom-made. You are tailor-made. You know, there are certain uh, uh, um, uh, tailor shops in, in London where you can get what they call a bespoke garment. I love, love the British. They have these, these funny words. A bespoke thing. So you probably bespoke to them before you, <laughs> you got the suit. And you told them exactly what you want. And bespoke means something created without an existing pattern. And that's exactly what you are. You're a bespoke person. <laughs> Cora and I love this because we, we're really blessed to, uh, to travel to Italy for conferences and Bible schools like the last 23 years every year. And uh, one of our favorite pastimes, if we ever have time to do this, is to go into Rome. And there's one uh, well-known, probably the best-known uh, rendezvous point called the Spanish Steps, where you will always find people in droves there. And the Spanish Steps is at the top of a street called Via Condotti. And Via Condotti is famous because all the fashion designers have their shops there. And it seems like if you want to be a fashion designer that, is, uh, that makes it, you must have a name that has an E sound at the end. Like Gucci and Versace and Fendi and Belly and Burberry and Oakley. And <laughs> but we, we, we love walking there, not buying, just walking. <laughs> And it is very interesting that, that the higher up you are in the fashion world, the higher up in the street you move. So the, the guys down there are always looking up to the Spanish steps to move closer there. And, and here's, here's what I found. There you pay more for the label than for the garment. And I want to say this, <laughs> you actually have a designer label because you were made by the greatest designer ever. I don't know what the label says, maybe glory. <laughs> and I want you to realize that, that God made you. And I love what David says in Psalm 139. He speaks about God forming his inward parts. And he says, you covered me in my mother's womb. He says, I'll praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That speaks about all of us, male and female. Because the, the, uh, the women are wonderfully made and the men are fearfully made. But God made you and He designed you and He saw all those things about you even before you were born. I, I like the book of Ephesians and especially the first two chapters. If you study the book of Ephesians and in this course on divine destiny, we focus on the book of Ephesians because in those first two chapters, there are so many references to the fact that God predestined things about you. 
And if I can just draw some of the, the, the Greek words used there, um, there, there's one word, and don't bother about the word, it's eudokia, and, and actually in English is translated uh, with, with this phrase, that God created us according to His good pleasure. But the word literally means good thoughts. So it says that God is thinking good thoughts about you. Then it says that God blessed us already with all the blessings in Christ. And that word blessings, is a, a, another interesting Greek word is the word eulogia. Uh, and again, it literally means good words. And then in the second chapter, it actually says this, that God prepared good works for us beforehand. So just those three things. God is thinking good thoughts about you. <laughs> He's speaking good words over you, and he prepared good works for you. So something good must come out of your life. Somewhere. <laughs> and we need to understand that God has a good plan for our lives. But here's the second truth that I want to focus on. We need to respond correctly to our inadequacies. I was scared that Adrian was going to preach my whole sermon here because he spoke about don't focus on your weaknesses, etc., etc. And, and I, I think it's so in line with what, what I want to share with you. In verse 3 of Romans, let me read that again. Uh, Paul says, I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to, uh, to, to each one a measure of faith. So Paul encourages us to think soberly about ourselves and uh, uh, have an honest evaluation of ourselves. And he says, God has given to us a measure of faith. In other words, I only have a measure. And here's what I believe. I'm convinced of this. My measure of my faith is according to my assignment on earth. I don't have the faith to do what Reinhard Bonke is doing. Because I'm not Reinhard Bonke. But God gave him the measure of faith for his assignment. And you have a measure of faith. But that means we have limitations. I, I think in the first point I wanted to, to emphasize the fact that you are a limited edition. But a limited edition means you are limited. You have limitations. Now, I want to encourage you. And I think I, 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 I tried to explain this concept in, in, in Europe. I don't think they have the same thing here. South Africans are familiar with what we call a no-name brand. You know, when you go to pick and pay, they have their specific brand name. And it's always at eye level. Well, for me, I have to look up a bit. <laughs> but that's the cheapest. It's not always the best quality. And I want to say this to you. You're not a no-name brand. You're a limited edition. But you have limitations. What do we then do with the limitations? Paul said these words. And this is... A, a great statement of humility. He says, I can do all things. 
through Christ who strengthens me. That's what he says. But what does that mean? Can I do everything? He never said, I can do everything. I can do all things pertaining to my assignment on earth. Whatever I'm faced with in life, God has given me the ability to, to deal with that. And, and I, I need to realize that if there is an area where I am not strong, then don't focus on that, Adrian. Focus on the Chinese forehand. Respond correctly to your imperfections and adequacies, your limitations. I want to say this, if you develop a sense of inferiority, you'll become ineffective. Charles Swindle, uh, American evangelical author, put it this way. He said, respond correctly to those things that you feel are defects or scars or shortcomings. Try to change them if you can, but if you cannot, pray very much about them just as Paul did. And what did Paul do? Paul prayed about this, and here was the answer that God came up with. <laughs> he said, my grace is sufficient for you, because my strength is perfected in weakness. So where I fall short, God makes up. And his grace is sufficient for me. Hallelujah. I like I like the first chapter in, in, in 1 Corinthians as well because Paul there, I, I, I quite often refer to this passage of Scripture as God's toolbox because it says what kind of instruments God favors, He likes to work with. And the one translation, let me just read this to you, says, remember what you were when God chose you. The people of this world didn't think that many of you were wise. Only a few of you were in places of power, and not many of you came from important families. But God chose the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. God chose the weak things, the worthless, the useless, the nothing at all. God has used to destroy what the world considers important. God did all this to keep anyone from bragging. And then he says, if you want to brag, do what the scriptures say and brag about the Lord. My passion has always been equipping, training people uh, for their, their position of, of leadership in, in the body of Christ. And I've often said this to students, the fact that you enrolled in this Bible school, maybe some of your family and your friends behind your back are snickering, saying, guess who's in Bible school? Guess who thinks that they can make it in the ministry? God must be desperate. He's scratching the bottom of the barrel now. <laughs> but God loves using rejects. Why? Because if anything good happens, we have to say, the glory belongs to Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When Paul writes in, this, in his second letter to the Corinthians, he says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And so often we just focus on the earthen vessel, on the clay pot. <laughs> but there's a treasure inside of you. That's what you need to focus on. Not on your inadequacies, not on your, on your weaknesses. 
So don't allow your shortcomings to cause a shortfall or a short circuit in your life. And speaking about short things, <laughs> I, I was in Norway speaking at a conference and the, the main speaker at the conference, I will not mention his name, he a, was a big name, African-American preacher. Uh, and the Saturday night there, we had dinner after the service quite late. It was about 10 o'clock. And during the meal, the host pastor said to the speaker, uh, we just want to arrange the time that we're picking you up for the service tomorrow. And he said, no, I, maybe I misread the program. My flight is leaving early in the morning. I cannot be at the service. So the pastor was kind of shocked. And I was the only one left, so he said, would you preach? I said, sure. <laughs> so we arrived there in church that morning, and there was no time to announce to the people that there was a change in the program. So I thought, well, okay, I, I started this way. I said to the people, there's an expression that we use in English when we want to describe somebody that is really good-looking, uh, strong, etc., we will say, that person is tall, dark, and handsome. I said, the person that was advertised for the service fits that description. I said, I'm sorry if I'm going to disappoint you. I'm not tall. I'm not dark. But one out of three is not too bad. <laughs> and I don't know why you're laughing. At least Cora thinks I'm handsome. When she needs money, she says, handsome over. That's what she calls me. But, but you know what? It's so important to put behind you your inadequacies, your disappointments, your, your failures, your poor self-image. Change your attitude about yourself. See yourself through God's eyes. I know the, the women will be able to relate to this much better than, than the men. If you look at a tapestry from the wrong side, you just see a lot of loose threads. There's no picture, there's no pattern, there's no, no, no plan in, in the whole thing. But if you turn that tapestry around and look at it from the right side, you will see that it actually is a beautiful picture. And here's what I want to say. Don't look at your life from your viewpoint. See yourself from God's perspective. And you will see even the dark threads in your life. He can weave in to give perspective to your life. And he can make a masterpiece out of you. So respond in the right way to your inadequacies. Here's another truth. Refuse to compare yourself with others. It's so important. And you know what the church, we know in the Bible, is spoken of as a, a, a body with many members. And we need to realize that we have different functions, different gifts, different abilities. And that's what Paul says in Romans 12. Let me read from verse 4. He says, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. 
He says we have different gifts. We are not in competition in the church. Stop comparing and competing and refuse to compare yourself with, with others because you are, and, and it doesn't matter, the most insignificant member in the body is still important. You are valuable, and without you, the church cannot function. One of my favorite stories is this guy who went to the doctor, and he said, doctor, there's something seriously wrong with me. He says, uh, I, I need to explain to you. He says, here, behind my ear, if I press here, it is so sore. So the doctor says, sit here, let me, he says, no, doctor, I'm not finished. He says, even here on my shoulder, if I press here, it's excruciating. He says, and doctor, here on my right hip, if I press here, I almost want to faint. And here on my knee, and, and even here on my ankle, if I press there, the doctor says, well, that sounds serious. Sit, sit, let me examine you. So he examined him. It took a long time. Eventually, the doctor said, I found out what is wrong with you. So the man says, please, doctor, tell me. He says, your finger is broken. I love that story because it tells me how important one little member in the body can be. And you need to realize this, that God placed you in a body. And, and, and don't compare yourself with others. Don't be in, in competition with each other. Don't say, if I could only play guitar like so-and-so, if I could only sing like so-and-so, if I could only preach like, like Adrian, if I can only... Be as handsome as Mark Hodgins. <laughs> Too often, we focus on what we don't have. And we are jealous and covetous about that instead of using what we've got. Don't try to be someone else. Who's going to be you? <laughs> How many of you have heard of Benny Hinn? Anybody here? How many of you have heard of Bob Mumford? Fewer of you. Now, Benny Hinn, as you know, is a kind of a flashy, outgoing uh, preacher. And Bob Mumford, if you've ever seen Bob Mumford in operation, and he's one of my favorite teachers, and he's quite uh, advanced in age right now. But Bob Mumford didn't get very animated when he preached. When he got very excited, he would just pull his one earlobe like this. And you must know, now he's extremely excited. <laughs> <laughs> and, and here's what Bob Mumford tells. He says, the first time he saw Benny Hinn in operation, he went home and he said, God, look at that. Give me Benny Hinn's gift. And he says, nothing changed, nothing happened. Kept on praying that until one day when he prayed it again, he said, God clearly spoke to me and said, I will not give you Benny Hinn's gift. I've already given Benny Hinn to you as a gift. You see, you have specific gifts. Don't covet someone else's gift. Be yourself and be the best you that you can be. That's what God wants you to be. My time is running up, out and I have uh, 21 more points. But <laughs> here, Let me share the last one with you. I'm going to cut things short here. Remember that God's process of perfection is ongoing. 
God's not finished with you yet. In Romans 12, verse 2, he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation is such a buzzword. And we need transformation in society. But you know what? There's an ongoing transformation that is supposed to take place inside of you. And that is be transformed in the renewing of your mind. Never think that you have arrived. I'll be honest with you. There's one thing that I've always said to God. I'm a lifelong learner. That's what the word disciple means. I never stop being a disciple. God's not finished with me yet. I know he has a lot of work to do. I should actually carry a sign around my neck, under construction, God at work. And I, I, I remember hearing Dr. Miles Munro say this. He says, sometimes when you go um, to a place where they're building a, a high-rise office block, and you'll see a billboard of the artist's impression of what this building is supposed to look like when it's finished, and they'll say, coming soon. And when you look through the fence where... Uh, the construction site is, it doesn't look at all like the picture there because there's a lot of holes and building rubble, etc., etc. But the architect knows what he planned for that building to look like. And maybe if you look at your life li right now, there's a lot of rubble. But here's what God says <laughs> the great architect, coming soon. And he has this beautiful picture because he's still at work in your life. So I want you to realize this. You are special. You are unique. You are unlike anyone else. And you know, if you just think about this in the Bible, the motivational gifts mentioned in, in Romans 12, the um, manifestation gifts mentioned in, in 1 Corinthians 12, the ministry gifts mentioned in Ephesians 4. If you just think of how many combinations there could be in one person's life, your combination of gifts is so unique. No one else has it. So stop competing, comparing, and for me, one of the most liberating scriptures in the Bible, and I referred to it earlier, is Ephesians 2.10, 2, 2, where it says, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should just walk in them. I don't have to think of good works. I don't have to try and impress God. All I need to do is find the good works that he prepared for me. That's liberating. That's walking in His grace and not a performance-based kind of religion. And speaking about good works, let me conclude with this. Paul says this. I'm convinced that the good work that He started in me, He will complete. <laughs> he will complete. Hallelujah.